What would make a 21-year-old man kill his own child, his ex-wife, stepchild and eat one of his own eyeballs? Hello and welcome to 90-Minute Escape. Just a disclaimer for this episode, I'm not a psychologist or a lawyer, therefore all my opinions are just opinions, they are not professional, so you can have your own opinions as well, but don't take mine as professional. (laughs) Today's case is about Andre Thomas. Andre was born in 1983. His parents are Rochelle and Danny Thomas, and they lived in Oklahoma, He had five brothers and he was mostly raised by only his mother in Sherman, Texas. Andre's childhood wasn't an easy one. His mother was an alcoholic, she suffered from depression and she was also sexually assaulted. It was tough for his mother. I think we all know just how hard it can be for single parents trying to provide for their children. There are many times their house had no running water, no heating or electricity. Sadly, it wasn't only his mother who suffered from substance abuse. There were other family members that also had problems with substance abuse and violence. In fact, before Andre was born, his grandmother's husband had shot and killed his uncle. This should give you a good idea of exactly what kind of an environment Thomas grew up in. I mean, family members are shooting and killing each other. That's just... wow. Surprisingly, despite the environment he was in and the disadvantages that he was facing, he was thriving in his early years. He was put into the gifted and talented program at his school. He would go to a Baptist church every Sunday and one of his Sunday school teachers said that he was smart and respectful. He was so eager to answer her questions that he would often answer her even before she finished her sentence. His family members would describe him as a curious person and that he loved futuristic cars. He would also disassemble and reassemble old cars. Everything was looking great. From the way things were going, everyone would look at Andre and could think that he is that person that could turn things around in the future and make a happy life for himself, despite his upbringing. But that was not the case. Everything started to slowly change when Andre was 10 years old. His behavior changed and he told some of his friends at school that he was hearing angels and demons arguing in his head. At one point, he was telling people that he was Raiden. Raiden is a character from the Mortal Kombat video game. In the game, the character is the God of Thunder and he possesses the power to control lightning. And Andre seemed that he really believed he was Raiden. Soon after that, soon after that, he started to smoke marijuana. And many think that he might have been trying to silence the voices in his head by doing so. When he was 12 years old, he was placed on probation. By the time that Andre was 13, he had tried to commit suicide two times by cutting his wrists. When he was 15, he had several arrests including one for selling a car. When he was in juvenile detention for a short while, he was placed on suicide watch because he was having suicidal thoughts. Despite being on suicide watch, he was not offered any ongoing mental health services after his release. This is so sad and frustrating to me. 
Andrea was displaying all these signs of mental illness at a young age, but no one thought they should be helping him out. He was 13 years old, trying to slit his wrists. That's extremely alarming to me. If you really think about it, he was just a child who was going through a tough time. The system in his community really failed him. Fast forward a couple of years and Andre meets a girl named Laura Boren. Just to mention, Andre is a black man and Laura is a white woman. This is pertinent to the case later on, that's why I'm mentioning it. So Andre and Laura were dating for a couple of years and in 1999 when Andre was 16 and Laura was 15, she got pregnant and they had a baby boy. They named the baby Andre Thomas Jr. After they had the baby, things had to change. Raising a baby is not easy and Andre had to drop out of school in the ninth grade. Even though he dropped out, he still managed to earn a high school equivalency diploma and props to him for doing that because that's not easy. After dropping out, he worked several jobs so that he could support Laura and the baby. Andre and Laura were still together, they had a baby, so I guess it seemed obvious that the next step would be to become a family. In 2001, when Andre was 18, they decided they should get married. At the time, Laura was 17 years old. Even though I say she's 17, they were born in the same year. It's just a thing where uh, Andre was born at the beginning of the year and then Laura was born at the end of the year. So I don't know if that's still wrong because when they had the baby, she was 15 and he was 16. But then those two the same year. I don't know. <laughs> Andre and Laura were young when they had a baby and got married. And I don't think the two of them knew what they were getting themselves into. Providing for a baby and a family is hard. After the couple got married, they stayed with Andre's parents for a short while. Two weeks after they got married, Andre's mother forced them to move out of the house. Laura had to go back to her parents' house and of course her parents wouldn't want him there for them to be playing house under their roof so Andre moved in with one of his brothers. About four months into their marriage, Laura and Andre separated. After their marriage fell apart, Andre's mental condition continued to worsen. He was experiencing more intense delusions and suicidal thoughts. He would obsess over apocalyptic concepts in the book of Revelation, which is in the Bible. And at this point, it was hard for him to keep any job. One day, Andre had a fight with his brother that he was living with, and he was accused of stabbing his brother. But he wasn't indicted. Instead, his brother was committed for psychiatric treatment. Mental illnesses seem to be running in this family. Do you think mental illnesses are genetic? I did a little research and I found that mental illnesses are caused by a mixture of genetics and environmental factors. But also it may be more common in people who have a relative with mental illness. And I think that's true. Personally, I think it's not mandatory that if you have a mental illness, then your child will have one too. But I think if you have mental illnesses, there's probably someone in your family that has one too. 
I listen to people who suffer from mental illnesses and when I ask about a parent or a relative, there's some form of depression or something in one of their family members. Anyway, back to the case. After Andrew's brother was committed, he was now forced to live alone. It was hard for him. He couldn't keep a job because of his mental illnesses. Now he couldn't manage to pay for the utilities and you can't have a child living in a house with no utilities paid. So Laura began to limit his visitation time with his son. Andre began to believe that Laura was Jezebel. And for those who may not know, Jezebel is a woman from the Bible and she is known for being selfish, deceitful, manipulative and immoral. And Jezebel actually has some connection to the book of Revelation, the one he's obsessed with. Anyway, you get the idea. I won't go deep into it. Whilst he believes Laura is Jezebel, he believes that he himself is the Antichrist. Andre also believed that the whole meaning of life, you know, why we're here and all those types of questions, that it could be found in a message which was within the images of the US dollar bill. Andre also said he often experienced deja vu and sometimes he would cover his mouth with duct tape and he would refuse to speak to his family. Andre was not doing good at this point. Anyone who can listen to this knows this guy and needs some serious help. But still, he got no help. Whilst all this has been going on with Andre, Laura had gotten into a new relationship with her boyfriend. And after a while of being with him, she moved in with him. In 2003, about two years after her marriage with Andre ended, she had another child with her new boyfriend. Her name was Layla Hughes. Or Leha Hughes. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. In 2004, while Andre was still struggling with his long-standing alcohol abuse and psychological difficulties, he started taking Coricidin, which is a medication for colds. I am not a doctor, but mental illnesses and unprescribed drugs do not sound like a good mixture. The drug is said to have four plateaus, which are like level one is the normal dosage and level four is like you're about to overdose. And in level one, a person can have effects like euphoria, auditory changes, and a change in perception of gravity. And on level four, a person can experience effects like Profound alterations in consciousness and users often report having out-of-body experiences or temporary psychosis. So this drug is no joke. So please keep in mind these possible effects of the drug as we continue to look into the case. In 2004, Andre's friend took him to a mental health clinic and when he got there, Andre told them that if he couldn't speak to someone, he was going to step in front of a bus and basically kill himself. The staff at the clinic told him to go to an emergency room and they had a judge prepare an emergency detention order for him. But after Andre left, he didn't report to the emergency room. I don't understand why they couldn't take him in or have him waiting whilst they prepared the order. I just don't know if I would trust someone in that state to follow directions or orders. 
So that didn't make sense to me. About three weeks after he went to the mental clinic, Andre stabbed himself in the chest and went to the emergency room. He told the medical personnel that he had stabbed himself because he was trying to cross over into heaven. The stab wounds weren't life-threatening, so after treatment, an emergency room physician began making arrangements for psychiatric commitment. While the physician was making these arrangements, Andre just walked out of the hospital. Again, why is no one watching over him? I don't know how you can just leave him alone. After Andre left, the physician called the police and told them about Andre and that he might be dangerous. But apparently the police had no contact with Andre. Even though he was on foot, walking to his home, which was a few miles away, they really couldn't find him and he wasn't even like driving or anything. Two days after Andre went to the hospital for stabbing himself, he went to Laura's apartment. She was home alone with her two children whilst her boyfriend was at work. Andre kicked her apartment door open and he went over to Laura and he began to stab her. He then cut her chest open and proceeded to pull out a portion of her lungs. He meant to pull out her heart but ended up pulling up a portion of her lungs instead. Andre then went to the bedroom of his 4-year-old son and Laura's 13-month-old baby. He stabbed and murdered both children and then cut out both of their hearts. <sighs> this right here really got to me. This did not have to happen to these children. This is so sad. His wife didn't deserve this. The children did not deserve this either. And it's so sad to see that things had to go this far. After killing the children, Andre stabbed himself three times in the chest. And he then went to lie down next to Laura's body as some sort of murder-suicide. But then Andre realized he wasn't dying. He got up, he placed the organs from the victim's bodies and he put it in his pockets. He walked back to his house and when he got home, he placed the organs in a bag and threw them in the trash. He then proceeded to call Laura's parents and he left a voicemail saying, Um, Sherry, this is Andre. I need your help. Something bad is happening to me and it keeps happening and I don't know what's going on. I need some help. I think I'm in hell. I need help. Somebody needs to come and help me. I need help bad. I'm desperate. I'm afraid to go to sleep. So when you get this message, come by the house please. Hello? Andre turned himself into the police and he told them that God wanted him to kill his victims. He said he used a different knife to kill each person because they had demons inside them. He didn't want their blood to mix because then the demons might survive. It seems Andre was used seeing the demons he has been seeing ever since he was 10 years old. He was then taken to the hospital and he had chest surgery. Five days after he committed the murders, while Andre was in jail awaiting his trial, he removed one of his eyeballs with his bare hands. What would make a person rip out their eyeball 
with their bare hands. One source says that Andrew had been reading the Bible and when he read Matthew 5 verses 29 which says, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. Another source said that after pulling out the eye, he quoted Mark 9 verse 47 which says, And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Now, I won't go into religion, but I just want to say that Andrew's reasoning from the Bible is not the reasoning of all Christians. So please don't come for Christians or the religion. Andrew was obviously a very troubled person. After the eye incident, psychologists talked to Andre and they tried to determine if he was okay to stand trial. They diagnosed him with schizophrenia and they said he was incompetent to stand trial. In June of 2004, Andre was sent to a hospital in Texas. After he spent only 47 days in the hospital, a psychiatrist named Joseph Black wrote to the court and told them that Andre suffered from a drug-induced psychosis, saying that he was competent and that he might attempt to exaggerate his mental illness by engaging in self-harm or other aberrant behavior. Defense attorney R.J. Hagood, who was ill with pancreatitis during the trial, later said he regretted not objecting to the introduction of Black's statement. So he would have liked to object at that time. In February of 2005, Andre's murder trial began. In February of 2005, Andre's murder trial began. He was only tried for the death of Laura's daughter. I don't know why they did this. I know that trials can be expensive, so maybe they thought that he might already be going to prison for life, so why bother have two more trials? I don't know. Remember I said Andre is a black man and Laura is a white woman and they were in an interracial relationship? When Andre was on trial, he faced an all-white jury. And we all know how badly that can affect someone's case, especially when it's a black man. Before the trial, the potential jurors were actually given a questionnaire to fill out. And three of the jurors and one alternate juror that were selected for the trial had actually indicated that they opposed to interracial couples marrying or having children. One juror strongly opposed this idea so much that he stated that I don't believe God intended for this. We should stay with our bloodline. And no one thought that these people should not be on the trial. The biggest issue in the trial was about Andre's sanity. Andre's behavior during the trial was described as almost catatonic at times. There was a time when a graphic testimony was being given and Andre was snacking on Skittles. His attorney was trying to push the insanity defense, which would probably have him in a mental institution instead of prison. The state said that Andre's mental illness was caused or worsened by his drug use. And there is a Texas law that states that insanity defense is not valid if the medical condition is a result of voluntary intoxication. 
Andre's attorney tried to say that him removing his own eye is a clear sign that he was insane, but the prosecutor said that the incident with his eye was more of an impulsive act than insanity. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm acting out of impulse, it's me spending all my money on food or buying a pair of heels because they happen to be on sale. I don't just yank out my eye because of impulse. Like, what? <laughs> anyway, Andre was convicted of capital murder and he was given the death penalty. After receiving his death sentence, Andre was sent to a prison in Texas which houses death row inmates. He said he continued to hear voices and that he saw six-inch tall demons coming out of prison walls and they were playing music from the band Queen. He attempted suicide in July 2008. This time he did it by cutting into the front of his neck with a sharp object. The wound required eight stitches. I'm just thinking, isn't it crazy how many times he's tried to kill himself but every single time he fails? That's kind of crazy on his own. In 2008, they tried to appeal his sentence and the court upheld the initial conviction. In a concurring opinion, Judge Kathy Curran, I'm sorry again with the names, she said that Although reasonable people might well differ on the questions of whether this applicant was sane at the time he committed these murders or competent at the time he was tried, those issues were appropriately addressed by the defense. This is a sad case. The applicant was clearly crazy, but he is also sane under the Texas law. Now, how can someone be clearly insane but then sane by the law? Sometimes the law becomes more about sticking to rules and winning cases rather than serving the people. What Andrew did is a horrible thing and those people didn't deserve to die. But come on, this guy clearly needs help and his state, the law, it failed Andre and it failed the victims as well. In December of 2008, Andre removed his left eye and he ate it. He said he ate it in order to prevent the US federal government from reading his thoughts. He was treated for his injuries in a hospital and then he was transferred to a Texas prison which houses prisoners with mental problems. I didn't even know this was a thing. Why was he not put into that prison in the first place when he was sentenced? Andrea's attorney said she was glad he would finally get the psychiatric care they had been requesting. In early 2020, they tried to appeal Andrea's case. His attorney said that his original legal team was ineffective because they failed to object to the selection of the three jurors that were against interracial marriage. His attorney also said his previous counsel did not present an accurate account of Andrew's long-standing psychiatric problems. They did not request a competency hearing and that the psychiatrist expert witness that they had did not have expertise in the cases where mental illnesses were allegedly drug-induced. In response to their appeal, prosecutors said that even though there was evidence to support Andrew's mental illness, he was not insane. 
In April of 2021, the court upheld the trial verdict. So basically, nothing changed. Andre's case has raised many questions about the laws governing insanity defenses, especially when it comes to the concept of distinguishing right from wrong. Politicians have attempted to make legislative changes to the idea that instead of a sane defendant being someone who knows the difference between right and wrong, it should be someone who appreciates the difference between right and wrong. Such wording changes have been rejected in the Texas legislature several times. Another reason why the law might not be changed is because normally if a defendant is acquitted on an insanity defense, the person goes to a psychiatric hospital or the person is released and they stay under supervision by the court. Normally the law doesn't allow the defense or the prosecution to tell the jurors about what happens to the defendant when they are acquitted. Whether they will be released or in a mental institution, the jurors will not know. But if they change the wording of the law, the jurors will have to be told the possible consequences. If a person like Andre is acquitted, that he would probably be set free on supervision. It's a probability. And that might sway the jurors' opinion. So the bill was left pending. In a 2015 publication, the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights highlighted the ethical questions in this case of Andre and another Texas death row inmate named Scott Panetti saying that through no fault of their own, they are tormented souls suffering from devastating afflictions that leave them unable to think and reason like people who are not so afflicted. That is greater punishment than any court can impose. And this statement right here is so true because if you just look at Andrew's life, even before you put him into jail or you put him into whatever institution or you kill him, Andrew has been suffering since the age of 10 in his head and mental illnesses you can't see it it's on the inside but let me tell you they are suffering it's not something that can be explained or understood if you're someone who has not gone through it but it's clear that these people are suffering and people in our communities need to do more to help these people there has to be a way christina swans who is the president and attorney in charge of the office of the appellate defender in manhattan Turning a blind eye to racial discrimination in this case sends a terrible message about our criminal justice system and what people of color are entitled to or should expect from the criminal justice system. That's all for today's case. I would love to hear what you think about the case. I have an Instagram which is 90 Minute Escape, just like the podcast. Feel free to leave me a message with your thoughts. I would love to communicate with you if you have something to say about the case. There's no comment section here. As for me, I would firstly like to say what Andre did was extremely terrible. Whilst researching this, I got shivers so many times. 
it's hard to believe that someone can kill their own child in such a brutal way and i feel he does need to do his time for the crime that he committed it's a matter of in which way and it's a matter of can you kill someone who is mentally ill because he's on death row i think what we need to ask ourselves is after a person commits a crime what are prisons and mental institutions for are we just trying to throw someone away and say we we'll just forget about you and wait for you to die i've seen some criminals that are just pure evil but something stands out to me about andre when i was reading his story i got emotional so many times because of how many times so many people failed him what would have happened if he got help when he was 10 years old or even right before he murdered his victims he reached out for help there are people with incurable mental problems and they live in institutions and they are stable and safe but probably will not do as well in society what i'm trying to say is this should have been prevented thank you for listening and please tune in for my next episode i hope you can go out there and be the good that you want to see in the world bye